I would like to read tonight, first of all, in the Gospel of Luke and in chapter 2. Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, reading at verse 6. Luke 2, verse 6. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she that is Mary should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and led him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. Chapter 23 of the same gospel. Luke chapter 23, reading at verse 39. And one of the malefactors which were hanged reeled on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. And another reading in the book of the Acts, the Acts of the Apostles and in chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, and reading at verse 10. Be it known unto you all, and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which is become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. That will suffice for our reading, and we know with the Lord's blessing. I want this evening, as the Lord would give help, to draw your attention to three particular statements concerning the Lord Jesus. I want you to notice in Luke chapter 2, there was no room for Christ, no room for them in the end. In Luke chapter 23, we have read the words of the malefactor that was crucified beside the Savior. He reminds us that there was no fault in Christ, He said, this man hath done nothing amiss. And then from Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, I want you to consider with me, there's no saviour but Christ. Neither is there salvation in any other. There is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. No room for Christ. No fault in Christ. And no saviour but Christ. In Luke chapter 2, what a statement. No room for Christ. You notice it doesn't say there was no room in the inn. 
I judge there could have been ample accommodation in the inn. But there was no room for Christ in the inn. And maybe I'm speaking to someone tonight and that just sums up your life to this very night. No room for Christ. Room for so many things. As we were singing, room for business, room for pleasure, but for Christ the crucified. Not a place that he can enter in that heart for which he died. I may be addressing someone at this meeting And you say, well, I've come to meetings for years. I've listened to the word of God carefully, but I'm not saved. Could I give you the reason for that? I'll give you the reason why you're not saved. The reason is simply this, that up until this Sunday night, you've had no room for Christ. As I've said, room for so many things, but no room for the Saviour. You have closed them out of your life. You have put the barrier up. No room for Christ. I think of the words of the risen Christ in Revelation 3 and 20. He said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. Remember, the handle's on your side. Christ will never force an an entrance. We sing a hymn at times, Behold the stranger at the door. He gently knocks, has knocked before, has waited long, is waiting still. You use no other friend so ill. O lovely attitude he stands, with open heart and outstretched arms, oh, loving kindness, and he shows his loving kindness to his foes. You've heard his voice before. You've heard his knock before. But up until tonight, as far as you're concerned, you've had no room for him. I just raised the warning note this evening. There is an abiding principle in our Bible that with what measure you meet, it shall be meted unto you. And if you keep closing Christ out, there'll come a day and he will close you out. Instead of Christ knocking, there'll come a day when you will do do the knocking. Saviour reminds us of that in Luke chapter 13. When once the master of the house has risen up and has shut to the door. That door of mercy for you stands open wide tonight and you could enter in. But when the Saviour comes to the air for his own, which we believe could happen at any moment, that door of mercy will close. And it will close never, ever to open again. You can see the importance, dear friend, I trust you can, of opening the door and giving Christ a place in your life. No room for Christ. But I want to assure you, 
There's no fault in Christ. What a discovery for this man to make in Luke chapter 23. You know, I was trying to imagine what he must have thought when he arose that morning. That is, if he ever slept the night before. But when he arose in the morning, he might well have thought to himself, this is the bleakest day. This is the darkest day in my life's experience. But you know, it was going to be the most blessed day of all. You know, he started the day without Christ, without hope. But what a way for him to finish the day. In Christ and with Christ. Did he deserve it? Of course not. Not one of us deserved it. But I think he could have borrowed the words and said, my sins deserved eternal death. But Jesus died for me. You say, how, how did he come into the good, good of it all? What had he to do? I'll tell you, first of all, what he can't do. He can't join a church. He can't be christened. Cannot be confirmed. Cannot take communion cannot engage in some charitable act of kindness, cannot sign a card or lift his hand. He's kneeled by hands and feet to a cross. You say then, what can, can he do? Two things. Acknowledge his sin and trust the Saviour. And that's how you can, you can come in to the blessedness of sins forgiven tonight. By doing the very same thing. Repent of your sin and trust the Savior. Our Bible speaks about repentance towards God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. This man makes two great discoveries. He understands his own sinfulness. Mind you, he wasn't long in the presence of Christ before he learned that. Wasn't that true of the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 6? What a day it was for him when he saw something of the holiness and the sinlessness of the one that adorned the throne of heaven. You know, in the chapters before, he looks out on other folk and condemns them. Go on to this one, go on to that one. But when he got a glimpse of the holiness and the sinlessness of the throne sitter, I hear him say, woe is me, for I am undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. This man not only appreciated his own sinfulness, but he understood the sinlessness of Christ. This man hath done nothing amiss. Another rendering puts it, this man never did one thing out of place. How true. The man on that center cross never ever did one thing out of place. You say, why is he hang hanging upon a cross? That brings me to the great message of the gospel. 
When we were yet without strength, said Romans 5. In due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Prophet Isaiah that I've referred to already could pen the words in Isaiah 53, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And because he bore the stroke, we can be healed. Because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free, for God the just is satisfied to look on Christ and pardon me. This man, having discovered something of his own sinfulness and the sinlessness of the Christ of God, well might he turn to the Savior and say, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. He understood that the title above the Savior's cross was right. He is a king. And if he is a king, he must have a kingdom. And he longed to be remembered in a far off distant day. But what a message he received. He didn't need to wait to some future day. Said the Savior to him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. You know, you do not need to wait to some future day to see how things would work out. You could know in this very meeting tonight how you stand before God. The Word of God makes that very clear. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. He that believeth on him is not condemned. He that believeth not is condemned already. I think of the words of John 3 and 36. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. I wonder tonight in this meeting, is there someone acknowledging their own sinfulness will turn to the Saviour? And put your trust in him. For I want to assure you, there is no saviour but Christ. That's what Peter was preaching in Acts 4 and 12. Neither is there salvation in any other. You need not look elsewhere, dear friend. Neither is there salvation in any other. There is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. It's a tremendous thing to learn, the must of salvation. Now I want to assure you tonight that you might be saved. That's why this meeting has been convenient. You might get saved tonight. That's the words of John 3 and 17. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. There is a possibility you could get saved tonight, sitting on that seat where you are. But Peter is saying, not only the fact that you might be saved, he says we must be saved. See, this business of getting saved is absolutely vital. We must be saved 
because we are lost. Mind you, that's a great lesson to learn. Said Paul, if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this age, the devil, hath blinded the minds of them that believe not. It's a great thing to learn that you're lost and you need to be saved. I want to assure you, there's no saviour but Christ. How kind of God to provide a saviour in the person of of his son. How good of the saviour to come. You know, God could have left us just in our sins to perish eternally. But in wondrous grace, he has provided a saviour and provided salvation through the sufferings and death of the Lord Jesus. That saviour could be yours tonight. I say to you again, there's no point of looking elsewhere. Neither is there salvation in any other. There is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. No room for Christ. I wonder would that still be true of someone tonight? You're closing them out. No room for Christ. I want to assure you, there's no fault in Christ. He is the impeccable, perfect saviour. And there's no saviour but Christ. May you come to know him for yourself tonight. Put your trust in him and prove him as a saviour indeed. Now shall we pray. Our Father, we bow again before thee at the close of this meeting. We thank thee for the opportunity of reading thy word. We have confidence in thy word. Thou hast promised it is able to make one wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Thank thee for the opportunity of presenting thy son as the only saviour of sinners. Pray that someone tonight, understanding something of their need, would come to put their trust alone in him. Thus we commit the gathering to thee and commit thy word to thee and pray thy blessing in the valued name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.